Welcome in. Brand new Tuesday Scramble, July 26, 2022. I'm Rick Gaming. That right there, Andy Lack. Andy, good to see you, bud. Good to see you too, man. I uh I like this tournament. I I I I always temper my expectations in these kind of once we get past the final major, it does feel like there's a little bit of a slowdown. But um I enjoy this tournament. What about yourself? I was pleasantly surprised with the field. Um, right. You've got not only a couple of very talented golfers at the top, but also all the scrubby guys that I bet on a weekly basis are here. Right. And a lot right. of them are playing well. So it's like, oh man, this is, this is great. Maybe one of my boys is going to go out and uh, find a victory this week. So it's a nice combination, at least for me personally, for this field. It's a good golf course. I don't, I wish it was set up in a way that really took a little bit more advantage of the strategic elements of it. It's a golf course that I think is, would have been really, really, really fun to see host a PGA tour event in like 1993. Mm. And now it's like, it's a little, it, it has a little bit of a difficult time standing up to the best players in the world, which is why we see some of the, some of the low scores here, but right. I still, I still enjoy this one. Okay. We're going to talk. I want to talk a lot about Detroit golf club. I want to talk about how it kind of contrasts to last week's three M open. I want to talk about Tony fee now winning, but I want to remind everyone we're presented by prize picks. Uh, they are dropping golf props on the website literally right now. So we'll do a live look at that uh, a little bit later in the show. The code you're looking for there is Rick. It's 100% deposit match up to 100 bucks. We are trying to take all their money and we'll do our best to accomplish that feat. 3M open, Andy. Hunky Tony gets the job done, right? Gets a little, finally gets a little Sunday luck. Finally gets a guy to cough up a lead. Uh, his ball hits the grandstand, stays out of the water. Hunky Tony gets another win. Right. I mean, it was never what happened with it. It started getting pretty sad quickly with Scott Piercy. Like it started getting semi hard to watch. Um, but right. We talk about this all the time with a lot of guys. This happened with Scotty Scheffler. This happened with Xander. Hopefully we start to see it happen a little bit with Tony Finau where, you know, luck is like, there's a great saying that I'm going to butcher about luck being like at the intersection of opportunity or success being at the intersection of opportunity and luck. Again, I'm going to butcher that quote, I'm but not the, sure that's the, it, but we, I think we know what you're going. The for. point, the point yeah. stands that these guys that continue to put themselves in the mix, like Tony does, Tony's got like 35 top tens on the PGA tour right. in the last three or four years. Um, there are going to be instances where he gets the right side of variance. And in this case, he did in a semi epic collapse from Scott Piercy. So was this the best field? No. Do I still think that Tony deserves a lot of credit for showing up to, I mean, listen, man, show up to the win a tournament when you're the big fish in the field, right? Do what Rom did in Mexico every once in a while. I think that's very good for a player's confidence. So I I'm quite happy for him. It is uh, really hard to win on the PGA tour. Just ask Tony, right. Finau. just ask Scott Piercy, but I'm thinking, you know, Piercy at one point, I guess when he was on the tee of 18 on Saturday, had a six shot lead, entered the final round with a four shot lead. I think he made the turn with a four shot lead. Um, Henley blew a five shot lead earlier this year. Mito coughed up two on the final. Like it's just, 
Sam you, Burns at Colonial, I think, was yeah. six strokes back heading into the back nine. JT was seven strokes back heading into Sunday at the PGA. No lead is safe, and you can not run out the clock, right? This is not a take a knee, run it out. Situ- like, you just can't. You have to play the holes, and we learn a lot that these wild swings are very capable of happening. Especially on a golf course like that too, right? And that's Love something that. we talked about yeah. at the beginning of the week was embrace the variance this week. And yeah. what do you know? A lot of the chalk plays miss the cut. And I, I ended up having a pretty good DraftKings week because of that. But it is a, I don't know if it's a good golf course. I think it's a fun golf course that I am okay with is on the PGA Tour schedule. And every single year that we've been there, it has produced an exciting finish in some way, shape, or form. Um, So it's an event that is kind of growing on me. I think the 18th hole is like one of the hardest par fives on the PGA Tour, which is fun because par, you know, it's very, very um, seldom that we get a tough par five these days on the PGA Tour. But the 18th at TPC Twin Cities is like, that's a, it's a monster. Yeah, if you miss the fairway and have to decide whether to try to go for it, like that brings water in play. Even if you if you're in the fairway because of the angles and because of the way the wind can blow at some points, and then it's not even an easy layup. Like it's 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 a pretty good little hole. And you're right that that golf course. Say what you will about it. I don't think it's like a masterpiece by any stretch of the imagination, but it provides right. drama when you put these guys in those situations. A hundred percent. And like that's the thing that. You need context matters when you're thinking about these things, because I think Detroit golf club is a better strategically designed golf courses, more interesting green complexes. Donna Ross is one of the most celebrated architects of all time, but is it a better golf course for television for PGA tour pros? Right. That's kind of the thing that you have to think about. And like some of these golf courses on the PGA tour, TPC Twin Cities, TPC River Highlands, TPC Scottsdale's, they're never going to crack Golf Digest top 100 list, right? They're never going to be recognized in those circles. But what they do do is they create a lot of variance, which I think makes for really, really good viewing on the PGA Tour. You want to identify courses where there are a lot of birdies and a lot of bogeys, right? Like that is what you want to see from a viewing standpoint on the PGA Tour. And TBC Twin Cities, just at an extremely elementary level, does an excellent job at that. I love that. And I I love kind of parlaying this conversation into Detroit Golf Club. So we're going to do that. We'll do the deep dive. We'll talk about how different it is uh, compared to last week's 3M Open. But first, we're going to take just a quick break and hear about Andy's podcast. Andy Lack is not only the co-host of The Scramble, but also produces his own show, The Inside Golf Podcast. It's available twice a week, focusing on course breakdowns, DFS, and betting strategies for every PGA Tour event. Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. 
Okay, Andy, Detroit Golf Club hosts uh, the Rocket Mortgage Classic. I love the synergies here because these two events last week and this week, they, they got added to the schedule at the same time. So we have the three years of data, this being the fourth year of data. And they're always, or at least from what I can remember, basically like back to back on, on the schedule. So we've got, um, we've got a situation here where it's kind of easy to compare and contrast. So let's start there. The differences between what we'll expect to see at Detroit Golf Club this week compared to what we saw last week at TPC Twin Cities. Uh, well, I think the big one is the absence of hazards, right? It, water comes into play on one hole on Detroit Golf Club, whereas there's water comes into play on 14 holes at TPC Twin Cities. So you're not going to see that scoring variance that we just talked about at the top. There's going to be a lot of birdies and a lot of pars. And the biggest defense of Detroit golf club, if you could even call it a defense is it has more trick. It has more undulating and tricky green complexes, right? Donald Ross is known for his turtle back greens. He does. You're not really going to see the full extent of them the way that you would at a course like Pinehurst, just because it doesn't play as firm as fast as it, as it needs to, to really get that full Ross experience. Um, but what Detroit Golf Club, what I talked about a lot in the preview that I did on rickrungoods.com is let's actually talk about the term putting contest gets thrown around a lot, but how would we actually define a putting contest? Well, the way that I would define a putting contest is basically, does this course do a good job of separating elite tee to green play from moderate tee to green play? And the answer with Detroit Golf Club is no. So what I mean when I say that is, on a course like Torrey Pines, for example, the fact that Will Zalatoris and John Rahm can hit the ball 300 yards straight in the air and a four iron 220 yards in the air, that skill goes a very long way in separating them from Peter Malnati. Now, the difference between that and Detroit Golf Club is that there is no, you are not going to necessarily need that in your arsenal to hit fairways and greens at Detroit Golf Club, right? There is a much higher greens and regulation percentage, a much larger dispersion of approach shots from inside 150 yards. So those guys like Kevin Kisner and Troy Merritt and Peter Malnati that would be really behind the eight ball at right. uh, a course like Torrey Pines aren't so much behind the eight ball at Detroit Golf Club, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, uh, and I'm guilty of this as well, just being like, Hey, bomb and gouge, bomb and gouge, Cam Davis and Bryson DeChambeau. And that's certainly one way to do it, but the golf course is not really long enough to box out those other guys either. Right. When you like Kevin Kisner is a perfect example. He's had such a great, he's had such a great run at this event. He's kind of getting hot right now in, in the moment. Like he's very, very live at this golf course, even if he is not going to employ the bomb and gouge method. Yes, exactly. And I mean, the way that I described it as well is I would say that distance is a luxury on this course, not a necessity, right? Is this the type of course where you will be able to bomb and gouge? Yes, 100%. We saw what Bryson did. These greens are back to back to front sloping, kind of like Wingfoot's greens, actually, in a lot of ways, if you want some synergy there between Matthew Wolf finishing one and two at Wingfoot and also finishing one and two at the Rocket Mortgage, just because both of those courses feature back to front sloping greens. So what that means is it's a lot easier to stop wedges from the rough and um, stop shots on those greens that don't have as much spin as if you were playing them from the fairway, right? But what it also means is that because this course is so short, you get some of the shorter hitters 
that are also going to have wedges in, right? Even guys that drive the ball 275, there's so many shorter par fours on this course that they're also going to have wedges in as well. So if you do not have distance, I'm not ruling you out, but I think you better make up for it with elite wedge play and elite putting. Uh, did you compare these greens, correct me if I'm wrong, to River Highlands? Am I remembering that correctly? Same exact agronomy, right? So it's the same exact 80-20 bent POA split. These are a little, these have a little more undulation to them than River Highlands, but in terms of the grass, it's the exact same grass. So there's a question in the chat in regards to putters and um, where is it? Who are the, Eli says, who are the best putters on these kind of greens? So they're... <laughs> When you start to get into like the hybrid stuff, it, you can really go down a. Um, These play more like bank, bank grass. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. It's so what I've done here is I've just done literally uh, putters on at Detroit Golf Club and at TPC River Highlands. So when you start to get into some good sample sizes, uh, no surprise to see Denny McCarthy at the top, right? I mean, you could put him on any. You could put him on carpet. You could put him on hardwood. It doesn't matter. The guy finds a way to get it done. Harris English, number two, Kevin Kisner. A lot of putting success. Bo Hostler. Yes, yes, Bo. Can we get a Bo week? And then Mackenzie Hughes kind of rounds out the guys that at least have a decent sample size at those two golf courses, which um, I, I think is is a very, you know, there's, I, again, I'm guilty of this too, like lumping guys into bent grass. Like there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different bent grass variants, right? And depending on what time of year it is and all that fun stuff. So I, I don't mind just grabbing the golf courses that you want to look at and saying, Hey, here's the putters from there and hope, and hope we have a big enough sample size. hundred percent. And I think something like, again, at a very elementary level, something that you can do is just look at who's putted well <coughs> at this course before, because every course has its own types of greens. You know, there are certain greens that I just know as when I play golf, I'm more comfortable on certain greens, not just necessarily because of the grass type, just because you know, I've had some success putting on these greens on those greens before. So like looking at someone, I think trying to think of an example off the top of my head, like Troy Merritt seems to always putt well for whatever reason. Troy Merritt's a good putter in general. He putts well at most places, but for whatever reason, he, uh, he seems to raise his baseline even more so on these greens. And I think that is a fair thing to look at because Donald Ross does have some nuance and some intricacies uh to these greens this week which we'll say um mike would like to know how worried we are in regards to fatigue for guys who played scottish british we call that the open championship mike and the 3m open which i don't know how many guys i can find out in this field fit all like have played all three of those andy but this is the time of year where Guys, some of them have to sprint to the finish line, right? Some of them have to play uh, last week, this week, next week, and that's just going to be the rub of it. Um, is that starting to concern you at all? I don't think so. You know, um, on the podcast that I did last night, my guest brought up that I I placed a bet on Callum Terran this week, and my guest Love was it. like, do you realize he's played eight weeks in a row? And I was like, eh. That's a good point. But if you've missed a couple cuts in there too, like if you miss a cut and you're out of there on Friday at noon, like it doesn't really feel to me like a big deal. Right. And you know, some of these guys, I get that they're changing time zones, but I always err on the side of it. Doesn't matter. I've, I've found success. Like, I don't think I've ever been happy 
when I've taken unquantifiable factors and gone overweight on them in my modeling or handicapping process. And I don't really know how to quantify that. So I'm just going to stick to the stuff that I have a do a better job at quantifying. I only count seven of them. Um, Sink, Wyndham Clark, Kurt Kitayama, Danny Willett, Garrett Higo, Tom Kim. Uh, then Sahith, Dylan Fratelli, and that's it. And I believe none of them. Nope. Wyndham Clark is the only one. Again, I'm, I'm quick glance at this. I could be wrong. Wyndham Clark is the only one who's played 12 rounds, right? right. So some, everyone else has missed the cut at some point. Um, so yeah, I I'm with you. I don't, I don't think I care at all. Right. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I thought there was one more question, but I don't see it. So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to talk about props next. Then we'll do head to head matchups. We'll do our one and done stuff. And I'll try to grab a couple more of these questions that we can chat through. But for now, we're going to take a quick break and we'll hit props on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. Rickrungood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel. Currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it, and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. Andy, I have some bad news. Uh, it's Lev. It's, there, there's only Liv stuff available right now. Uh, <laughs> I saw that they were trying, like there was a spot for PGA at the top, but then it went away, so I think they're loading it right now, but... Uh, boy, we've only got let, do we like, do we know anything about Bedminster? Yeah. Um, it's Wait, a no. Foz. It's a long Foz. Um, I have never played it before. I, it's not very far for me. I know a couple people that have played it. It's a standard, it's a standard 7,400 yard Bentgrass Fazio. I think, listen, I'm not going to sit here and tell anybody that I've spent actual time breaking down this left field, or I will put any of my actual dollars on this Phil is like done. That's the one thing that sticks out to me. Just go unders on Phil. And I think you could, or overs in that case, I guess they have him priced pretty highly. These, I think it's a pretty difficult golf course. These might be, and it's a par 72. So, and if you look at the scoring from some of the live events, they've set the courses up pretty challenging, either that or their players aren't very good. Um, it could be either or, but I would go, those numbers feel a little bit low to me. So I would probably take the overs. And I say this as a devoted high flyers fan, but right. the Phil thing, it's, it's, he's soulless. Yeah. You do have a, a bias there. Um, BCS, a Foz, you're talking about a Tom Fazio course. The other thing is, yeah. um, uh, did they turn a five into a four? Cause prize picks has this as a 71. Ooh, is maybe prize picks wrong. We no, don't know, I guess. We, don't we don't know. I mean, it, I haven't checked out the website, Rick. It's like, I don't think Liv has given us, they're not, are they, you know how on the PGA tour website, they give you like a course preview. Like they give us, they give us some pictures and you know, the hole by hole with these, 
you know, little token descriptions. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I haven't seen anything like that on the web website. I would say if, yeah, I would say that makes sense that they're playing it as a par 71. These birdie or better matchups. So Andy Mentel uh, keeps track of these for us. Last week, they were 20, 20, and 11. If you just blindly took the headliner, which is basically the worst week they've ever had going 20, 20, and 11. So break even. Uh, and overall now, last six events, they're 198, 139, and 71. But Andy, I think we were kind of sniffing that out last week where the, the, the caliber of golfers in that field was not great enough, right? Like everyone was kind of the same guy. We, we, we kind of snuffed that out on Tuesday that this might be a, uh, a weirder week for the birdie or better matchups. Who do they have Phil against? Richard, not just Richard Bland. <laughs> okay. All right. That's interesting. Um, I think this is a pretty good golf course for Kokrak. I'll say that, uh, live tour rookie, Jason Kokrak, um, just in the very, very limited analysis of the fact that Kokrak hits the ball a long way. And this might be a little bit of a big ballpark for Abraham answer. Everyone's picking Bryson this week. It seems like Rick, like I don't have a ton of interest in betting live events because like we've talked about before, like I, I don't feel like I have an edge yet and I'm not going to spend the time attempting to find an edge when I still believe I have a legitimate edge on the PGA tour. But Bryson seems to be the guy that everyone is gravitating to this week, I guess, because he played well at St. Andrews. And he's also just objectively the best or the second best guy on the tour, right? It's right. Him, him or DJ, very likely. And if you think it's a big park, which I don't know much, I don't, I don't really know much about Bedminster at all. Like that would make sense. I don't know what his odds are. And it feels like, again, this is unquantifiable, but it feels like Bryson cares more than Brooks and cares Bryson more cares than about everything way too much, which is sometimes yeah. good. Yeah. And I think some of these guys have a little self-awareness in the sense that like, listen, we made a business decision to take the money. Do we realize that this isn't maybe the most competitive thing in the world? Yeah. But this is the decision that I made. I think Bryson like legitimately believes that this is the party in town. I think he believes that like, this is the place to be. This has more juice than the players championship or Riviera. And he is going to go balls to the wall, a hundred miles per hour. Whereas maybe there's a little bit more self-awareness from a DJ or a Brooks. And they're not really finding the need to spend eight hours grinding on the practice range. the way Bryson would be. I, I tend to agree with you since we don't have the PGA stuff, we can just do this. We can look at, uh, so I also run RunGoodProps.com, which is literally just a prop aggregator. So for example, um, you can see, so for tonight's for major league baseball, like Red Sox and Rockies over a half a run in the first inning, minus 155. That's good. How about this, Andy? Do you mind locking up your money for five months? Because Trey Lance rush yards and Mark Andrews receptions are way off on prize picks compared to what DraftKings has. So for the way to read this is Trey Lance rush yards. The line at uh, prize picks is 475 and a half. DK has that minus 150 over 500. So you're getting a big favorite on him to go over 475 and a half. And then for Mark Andrews, DK has the, the favorite minus 140 under 84 and a half receptions. 
Price Picks is giving you 89 and a half receptions. I don't know how you feel about locking up your money till the end of the football season, though. Oh, I don't mind. I mean, when it's an edge that sizable, I don't mind at all. What's your what's your relationship to football, Rick? Are you a fantasy football guy? Are you a DraftKings football guy? Do you like betting the NFL? Like how 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 deep would you describe it? Are we maybe gonna see a little NFL on the scramble in the fall? <laughs> Who knows? Literally anything could happen. Um I am Obviously a casual, a casual viewer. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I do when I notice that there are edges, I will bet them which, right. which like, like, like I see this one and I'm like, okay, like I don't mind locking up my money for five months when I think I've got like a really big edge on this. Uh, I also considered playing, uh, in the circa millions, which is like their super contest. Yeah. 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 So, I know it well. Yeah. Because what I've noticed about, and I've tracked some of the super contest stuff before, right. Is like, you know, those lines come out. I don't know when they come out. Let's call it Wednesday. Like a lot mm-hmm. of stuff happens before you have to get your picks in on Sunday. And there are a yeah. lot of edges in just like following line movements and seeing all that stuff and trying to get to like 63% that way. So I've considered, I've considered entering that just and just data hacking it. Right. Yeah. I found a lot. I've had a lot of success betting the NFL. So you're not a fantasy football guy. Are you, you're not in any big. So my, my like home league uh, that we had going for a long time uh, basically was like toes up in like during COVID with like all the rule. There was just such a a lack of enthusiasm. There was already, I think a waning lack of enthusiasm or a waning enthusiasm. And it was just like, that just put us that just put us down. So there I, I'm not in any leagues anymore. Oh, maybe we'll start one up. Maybe, yeah. maybe we'll yeah, maybe we'll start. I, I one do up. like it to like keep me interested. Engaged. Yes. Right. Right. Have a rooting interest, under learn more about the guys. Like I do enjoy that part of it for sure. Yeah. The DraftKings, uh, I love fantasy football and I love betting the NFL. And I'm a big fan of the NFL. I'm a big Giants fan too. DraftKings football, I haven't quite cracked the code yet. Mm. Um, obviously, I love DraftKings golf, but I haven't really quite cracked the code for DraftKings football yet. Um, there was one other thing I was going to say. Oh, there's just nothing better than like flipping on Red Zone and it's just best. parking yourself on the couch and just following it. Like, I, I just, it's just, oh. It's so good. I can't. Scott Hanson's the man. I can't wait. Chat's already flooding with uh, interest in our fantasy football league. All right. Maybe we'll have to start something up. Figure it out. Okay. Uh, Okay. Prize picks. The code is Rick. (laughs) There's a link in the description. Get your live bets in. Get your NFL future bets in. Uh, Have a blast with that. We've got head-to-head matchups, and we've got one-and-done selections coming on the other side. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props that's right what score will a golfer make on a specific hole i have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries and now prize picks is offering a 100 instant deposit match up to 100 just use the code rick at sign up 
or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. Andy, maybe we should turn this to a football podcast. We've got quite a lot of interest in our uh, fantasy football league that we just can just came up with the concept for three seconds ago. I think we might have it full already. I have a bit of a, um, you know, I rem- I always bet the NFL and our mutual friend, Brian Kirshner is like, why don't you post your picks on Twitter? You're pretty good at betting the NFL. And I was like, yeah, I'm a golf guy. People follow me for golf. Mm-hmm. I started posting my picks on Twitter and I actually got really hot, like really hot during the NFL season. And I kind of got some NFL juice. So yeah, I would nice. be happy to, to work some NFL into it. All right, we'll have to figure we'll have to figure that out. Uh, matchups. This is an opportunity for us to talk about some more guys in depth. I think for the first time in a long time, we both had a losing week last week, which is mostly mm-hmm. thanks to you because um, at 57, 38, and seven, you don't lose often. But <laughs> we are looking for a bounce back here, Andy, and we're going to start kind of close to the top of the leaderboard. Max Homa versus Adam Scott. I went with Homa. I just think Homa is safer. Adam Scott like rated out really well for me statistically. I'm having a difficult time trusting it. What's interesting about Adam Scott's like recent statistical profile, take this with a grain of salt because he doesn't he doesn't play a lot of golf these days. Right. He's turned into this like oh like he gets super hot on the greens, which is like very strange to me. And I have him as like a very good long term wedge player, and he makes a lot of birdies. I could see that. He does make a lot of birdies, which is good. Um, I I was looking at this. I'm like, why is he playing? Like, you know, he plays the Open Championship, the U.S. Open, the Memorial, the PGA, the Byron Nelson, the Masters, the Match Play, the Players, the API, the Genesis, and Phoenix. It's like the top. It's like nine of the top ten toughest fields we've had this year. And then he slips in the Rocket Mortgage. Um, your colleague at at CBS, Patrick McDonald, had a really good tweet about that with the Brian Winhorse meme, where it's like. <laughs> Let's look at Adam Scott's schedule. U.S. Open, Open Championship, the Memorial, the Masters, Rocket Mortgage. Now, why is that? A lot of people in the league are talking about it. So, yeah, I don't really understand it at all. There's been, I talked about this a little bit on the podcast I just did too, is like there are rumors that maybe there's an all Australian team brewing for Liv uh, with Mark Leishman and Cam Smith and maybe some of these guys just want to have their cake and eat it too and win the FedEx cup and play in the president's cup. But like Adam Scott's not winning the FedEx cup. Like he's a million points behind Scotty Scheffler. <laughs> I don't get it. Also Adam Scott, I, not that he doesn't need $18 million, but like does not need $18 million. Right. right. Like I don't no. know what his career earnings are, but like the off the course, he's been around forever. Like he's got plenty of cash, <laughs> plenty of cash. I think, where I net out on him is I think he's an intriguing DraftKings play at low ownership. But if you're asking me a matchup between him and Homa, I think Homa is a much safer bet to play well this week. I, I also took Homa. I just, I don't understand anything about Adam Scott and I may, I might miss out on it. Um, this one's interesting. Tony Finau versus Will Zalatoris. Now we're split on this. You took the guy that I didn't think you were going to take, which is Zalatoris. Because mm-hmm. I thought, Andy, uh, you were going to come on here and you were going to talk about what you kind of already alluded to, right? Like this ain't no Tory Pines. This is not necessarily magnifying the skill sets of one Willie Z yet. You have opted to select him over one of the hottest golfers on the planet. I have, I think there might be a little bit of a letdown spot for the big tone coming off a win, (laughs) 
Um, I, I agree with you. I don't think that this golf course does the best job at accentuating Will Zalatoris' best skill set. You could probably make that argument for Finau as well. And it's like, who is, who is the better putter between the two? I think some would probably still say it's Finau. Um, but I, I think Will Zalatoris come, you know, he's coming in a little bit more rested. Finau is just coming off the big win. Zalatoris has got to get on the board, right? Like, like get a, get a win, right? I, I don't, I'm not like betting him this week. I'm not picking him this week, but if Will Zalatoris shows up and brings his a game, just like if John Rahm shows up at the Amex, he's going to win. If Will Zalatoris shows up at this tournament and he is a positive putter, like he's good enough to win depending on what Patrick Cantlay and Cameron Young do. So I agree. I don't think it's the best course fit on paper, but I'll still ride with Zalatoris here. I, I went with Tony. I mean, he's he's lapping the field in, in strokes gain total for 24-36, whatever you want to look at, the improvement in the putter, yada, yada, yada. Everybody knows. But um, I think it is going to be – I think Zalatoris is one of my m- most – like I'm just interested in how it goes this week, yeah. right? Like he might he might legitimately just be good enough to roll in here and finish like T7 with right. like like for one of the worst courses on the schedule for him right he might just be good enough to do that and I, i'm just kind of interested to see how he bounces back a little bit i'm just i'm i'm excited to see I'm, i don't know i don't know what let me let me ask you this not to get us too derailed but if who do you think's game is better suited for a birdie fest will zalatoris or cameron young because there's been some debate about this already this week See, I'm trying to remove myself. Like a birdie fest here at Detroit Golf Club, I think it's Cam Young. A birdie fest right. uh, in general, I could argue like Zalatoris is just going to f- give himself a million 10 footers and a million 12 yeah. footers. And he's yeah. not as bad of a putter as perception believes he is. Correct. Um, but I think like. There's, a, I, I mean, there's a reason Cam Young is going to be very popular. There's a reason that last time I checked, he was like the third favorite in this field. Like it, he sets up really, really well for this place. Right. I would probably go with Cam Young too. I don't know how much the fact that he just shot 19 under at St. Andrews is shaping my perspective on that. Right. I don't know if Zalatoris has ever gotten to 18, 19, 20 under on the PGA tour before. I know he finished top 10 at the Amex this year, so maybe he's gotten yeah. pretty close, but I think their skill sets are very similar, right? I I don't think that this is the best course fit for either of them, just in terms of, again, accentuating how they separate themselves from some of the weaker T to green players in the field. But yeah, I'm those are probably the two golfers that I'm most interested in because are they the best golfers on the PGA Tour without a win? Cameron Young and Will Zalatoris? They have to be. Who else? I, I don't even agree. know who else would come to mind. They have to be. I'd agree. Right? Yeah, I can't think of anyone else at the top of my head. For a while, like answer for a while, answer was the best ranked OWGR player who didn't have a win. Right. Uh, he got that done. Even now, Matt Fitzpatrick's got a PGA Tour win. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at the OWGR. Like, it's o- almost has to be, has to be those guys. Even Shane Power has a win. Right. You could make the longevity argument with Cameron Tringale, but he's not the level of player as Salatoris and Cam Young. So. No, uh, but he's next. So the next matchup, Siwoo Kim versus Cameron Tringale. I, these are two guys I have never, ever gotten correct, ever. 
in a million years. I'm O for a thousand on these two. Uh, and Mark Leishman. Uh, you and I both took Tringale. I assume it is the consistency level and the history around Detroit Golf Club that that's what kind of set me over the edge. But I feel very uncomfortable about this. Um, yeah, this is a matchup, right? So if you're asking me who would I rather bet, Cameron Tringale or Siwoo Kim outright at like 50 to 1, the answer is Siwoo Kim 10 times out of 10. But if you're asking me who is more likely to finish T25, I think it's probably Tringale. You know, he hit the ball fine last week and had a absolutely horrific putting week. That was, I played a lot of him in DraftKings. He was, that was a tough one. Um, he, I think, missed the cut by one and lost about five strokes putting. But um, that's kind of the missed cut that you like to see, right? Is I like, if somebody's right. going to miss the cut, I like to see that they gave it away all with the flat stick and the ball striking was still strong. Yeah, he gained three strokes from T to green and lost two in total. He punted it away in two rounds, uh, losing five strokes on the putting surfaces. So both both of us headed for Cameron Tringale. Uh, Gary Woodland versus Webb Simpson has also aligned us here. Uh, this time it is on Webb. I'm not really all that comfortable with this one. Either a couple guys who might be uh, past their prime, I think is is safe to say, but we, we ended up on, on Weber here. Yeah, I don't feel great about it either. I made a joke on the podcast I did yesterday that next week at the Wyndham is the most important golf week of Webb Simpson's career. I think it is a massive inflection point for the state of Webb Simpson's game. If he does not top 10 next week at the Wyndham, I think you could stick a okay. fork in him. So, I say that I say that tongue in cheek. Obviously, I hope I hope people get the a bit of the sarcasm there. But yeah, it's like I feel like for me personally, and I say this as somebody who has played a lot of Webb Simpson this year, I feel like I've tried to will him being back more so than he's actually back. Like if you actually run through it, he has not been good. Like he really hasn't been good since coming back from, I guess he had a little bit of an injury and I feel like I've wanted him to be back way more than the results actually. So, so I think it's a good course fit for Webb. Uh, Gary Woodland's been terrible here. Um, so I'm going to tentatively ride with Webb, but the washed up committee is monitoring <laughs> that situation very closely. <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> what was the OWGR statement when they got the live applications? Like we have received an application from live golf. We and will we now. Are, yeah. We, we are monitoring know. it very closely. <laughs> right. Uh, I agree. He's not been good. He hasn't been bad. He's given us like a round or two of old web kind of getting hot and, and flashing in the moment. But, um, Woodland's kind of the same thing. It's, it's a lot of hit or miss and Detroit golf club has not been a friendly, a friendly place for him. Final one here. And we're split Davis Riley off a, off of a very popular missed cut last week versus mm. Kevin Kisner. Who's trying to round himself into form. What do we see here? Uh, I don't have the sheet up in front of me. I assume I went with Riley. If you I did. did, I'm changing my pick to Riley. I never play Kevin Kisner. I don't like, for some reason, I just like, I don't have a ton of respect for him as a golf golfer. Statistically. Um, I just never can get there on him. Whereas I think Davis Riley is really good. And I think this is a good buyback spot for Davis Riley, especially if we're talking for DraftKings purposes Agreed. where, you know, he's coming off a miscut as a guy that was like 28, 30% last week. Right. And I think a lot of people, I think that ownership is going to probably be slashed in half this week. 
I I almost said better him to win. Um, but I, I you know I I really like Riley this week. He makes a ton of birdies, and mm-hmm. I've referenced this before on the show. But one thing that I look for in golfers if I'm making outright wagers is have they shown what does it take to win a golf tournament, Rick? What it takes to win a golf tournament is you need to be plus four, plus five, plus six, plus seven in at least one or two categories to win a golf tournament, right? And Davis Riley has been doing that in different categories, which in my opinion makes him more light. He just hasn't been timing it up at the right spot, but he's had spike putting weeks. He's had spike around the green weeks. He's had spike off the tee weeks. He's had spike approach weeks. And for me, that displays a lot of upside. So I'm really bullish on Riley both this week and long-term. I definitely love a buyback opportunity on him for, for DFS purposes. And the miscut that he had last week was, I think it was on the number. It wasn't horrible. Lost a couple strokes putting. Um, I went with Kisner here. You know, the, the history around rocket mortgage is, is great. He's kind of breaking out of this little mini slump where he missed four cuts in a row. He finished T6 at the Travelers, T21 at the Open Championship. This is another good, like, it's another good stretch of golf for him, right? He gets to play here where he's had a lot of success. He gets to defend next week at Wyndham, and then he tries to roll this into the FedEx Cup playoffs. I think this is, um, uh, you know, if it turns into a putting contest, mm. I, I, I like my chances with, uh, with old Kiz. I, I don't know if you've heard, Andy. It is not a hobby for him. Yeah. Not a hobby for the kids. Um, professionally, <laughs> right? This is one of the spots that, you know, he has a very good chance of competing at. And he has been very transparent in saying that where he has talked about how there are certain courses on the schedule where I genuinely believe that I can win. And there are other courses on the schedule where I don't. And I think this certainly falls into the first category. One and done. Um, we are going through the motions at this point because I am $2.9 million behind with one, two, three, four, four weeks to go. Mm. That's not great because we don't even do the tour championship. Is it even statistically possible? You'd need three wins and three missed cuts for me probably, right? Yes, I need, uh, yeah, I think it's definitely possible because especially the, the, the playoff winner shares are increased. So yes, it's, it's possible. Not not yeah. probable, not likely, but possible. Well, look, we're playing for pride. I think what we could do is we can turn this into a conversation about one and done strategy for like, for example, Rick, I want to bounce this off you in the big fantasy golf championships. I think the one that Mayo runs, mm-hmm. I'm like sitting just inside the money. I'm in like 500th place. I don't really think that I have a shot to make big time money. I don't have, think I have much of a shot to like finish top 10 and win, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. If you're in that position, like how safe do you play it? So I am kind of like in a similar position. I'm in 139, which is like, Oh, you're a lot better than me, man. Yeah. But it's it's like, you know, it's going to be like a couple hundred bucks. Not like I'm, I'm well out of. Yeah. Like I need a miracle to get to back to the top here. Um, that's a good question. I think if I'm in that spot, one of our spots, a um, couple weeks to go, I, I'm probably going to end up playing it pretty safe. The, although the thing is, like, everybody at the top is available. So, you know, like, for the most part, you probably haven't played Cam Young. You probably haven't played – you might have played – McNeely, you probably haven't played Denny. You might not have played Adam Scott because he only plays major championships. You're talking right. about 
you might have four of the top six or eight favorites available to you. So yeah. you could almost take a guy who is like, like if you took Adam Scott here, he has like the sixth best betting odds and you'd probably be unique. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Um, even a guy like Max Homa, who I took in our one and done, cause I'm just ball control offense at this point, prevent defense. Um, yeah, I don't, I even think that probably a lot of people still have Max Homa available as well. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a tricky yeah. position to be in. I'm probably going to play a pretty safe too. I'm probably going to play Homa or Cameron Young and hope to box out like 85% of the field and maybe move yeah. up a couple spots. Yeah. I have, I have, I have young Homa, Keegan, Kisner, Denny, Maverick, Davis, Riley, Adam Scott. I have all these guys left. Right. What, right. Am, what am I supposed to do? Sahith too is a good one. I'm seeing. Yeah. I like Sahith a lot this week too. Do I yeah. take the guy that's like, like for example, McNeely's been used forty percent, so he's like the lowest available. Lower so than I, Homa. Uh, Homa seventy three percent have Homa available. Homa's going to be chalky in in one and done this week in that big contest that we're talking about. Definitely going to be chalky. Cam Young is available to eighty six percent. Very uh, chalky as well. Cam Young, Max Homa, those guys are gonna get if, a ton of if ton I of had if I had some guts, I would roll out Davis Riley off a miscut at 70. He's available in 72% and take the upside and try to just like snap off 1.3 million, move up 80 spots. Right. Even somebody like Kisner or Hadwin or Denny, I think you'll probably be single digits with those guys in terms of terms of ownership i think it's you're basically asking yourself like it's can't lay well i think a lot of people probably use can't lay but like homa and young are going to be the two obvious picks in my opinion so how can you get so do you want to be part of that brigade or do you want to try and get different i think that's yeah. that's can't lay can't lay only has 18 percent availability and i would imagine zalatoris has been used a lot too only 27%. Yeah. Right. So it's it's going to be Homa and Young. And so that's the decision that you have to make. I'm probably not going to go with them because why not? And like it. you're going for it. it. It's like do I want to min cash and win $250 and make my money back? Like I guess, but I would, you know. Whatever. Yeah, but even that even like 250 bucks for like the amount of hours that we've put into this over the course of season is like we're not doing great. Maybe we should right. just go for it. Right. Right. And when I say go for it, like I'm probably going to play Sahith or Davis Riley or Denny or Kisner God. or Adam Scott. Like I'm probably going to play one of those guys. I see Matt, myself. I, I see myself talking. My, I, I see. I could see myself talking myself into Riley. Adam Scott's kind of interesting, though. That's a guy I would really never play. And yeah. no one's going to play him. Nope. No one's going to play him. No one's going to play him in DraftKings. He makes a lot and of birdies. It, he makes a lot of birdies and. People are, you know, probably have the same kind of thoughts that we do, where it's like you just, it's a hard name to, like on Sunday afternoon, do you picture Adam Scott holding the Rocket Mortgage trophy? Like, no, but I guess the counterpoint to that would be he missed a uphill four footer to win the Wyndham Championship last week. And it was a very, or last year. And it was a very similar situation where, no one was talking about Adam Scott. No one was playing Adam Scott. Why is Adam Scott at the window? And he almost won. Donald Ross course. God. 
All right. I just see a scenario in which I click Adam Scott's name here in a couple of minutes. Um, for our purposes of housekeeping, you, as mentioned, went with Max Homa. I went with Cam Young. He was available. He's 18 to one. Is it crazy that he's 18 to one? Like, have we, has the hype train, the hype train, has it gone too far? Uh, it's me, it's me answering the question. So I'm always going to say yes, where I always, I think a lot of people really want to call it and get that first win. Like all of the people mm. that have been betting Zalatoris and Mito and Goddard. People love and, trying to get the first win. People they do. love that. They absolutely do love trying to get the first win. And books are savvy to that. Books are going to make you pay for that. Like there's certain guys that I am really high on long-term um, like Smotherman, for example, I think Austin Smotherman is really good. I bet him almost every week. It's a very small investment. I bet Austin Smotherman at a hundred to one, 200 to one, pretty much every single week. Like if you're high on cam young, you can't really just say I'm high on like, that's a pretty big investment. Like you have to, right. at some point you have to kind of value your investment on those ones. So yeah, I think he's a little overpriced. Hmm. Okay. Andy's got um, a couple of great pods out already. He's got an article out on rickrungood.com uh, for this week with another one coming on Wednesday. You can follow him on Twitter at ADP Lack Sports. We're going to do it all again on Friday, which is very exciting. And Andy, you'll, uh, can I say this? You'll be coming from an undisclosed location. Can I say that? Yeah. I don't, I've already said I've, it. Yeah, my uh, my dad's lake house in upstate New York. I, <laughs> so maybe we'll get a nice little mountain background, um, oh, which would be which would be fun in in the background. But yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Can't wait, my friend. Enjoy. And yeah, have a great yeah, time. We'll do it again soon. Uh, Mina on the ones and twos. Thank you very much. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been your Tuesday scramble. Catch you next time.